Good morning. We are going to be in Exodus 25. Uh, before you stand, so we can read just a few of the verses. Uh, this study this morning, we're going to cover 12 chapters. How much time do you have? <laughs> um, and the reason it's the, it's the blueprints and then the building of the tabernacle. So we're gonna, there's 32, 33, and 34, three chapters we'll be hitting in separate studies, as well as chapter 40. So this morning, 12 chapters, what do you think? So I wanted, this would be a good time to remind you, first of all, um, is it Rebecca, Becca? Yeah, who's doing the, she's, this is her second time. I said, you just do your best to keep up with me. <laughs> But I have a lot of notes, and I've told you that, and so if you want the details, I have tons of scripture. I like to put it in there just for my sake, because every time I read the Bible, every time I study the Bible, every time I hear the word, God's speaking. So the more that I can load it up, the better. The thing is, when I was done with all my preliminary stuff, I had 60 pages of notes. So I can give you that one if you want it, <laughs> but if you want this one, it's got other, you know, I'll... I'll be doing some of these scriptures, but not all of them whatsoever, because we're talking about something so incredible this morning. Uh, we could spend a lot of time. God gave a lot of detail, a lot of detail. In fact, in Hebrews, well, God told him, make sure you make it like I told you. <laughs> and Hebrews brings it up. So we'll look at that. So in Exodus 25, would you stand as we read the word, verses 1, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. I'll pray, and then we'll get into it this morning. Exodus 25, 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins and acacia wood, Oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. Onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And let them, this is incredible. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Lord, we thank you so much. <laughs> this is not some fanciful thing. This is reality. You want to speak to us. You want to meet with us that we might know you. And then, Lord, as we're beginning, just in that one verse, when you took on the form of a man, coming in the likeness of men, you yourself came and dwelt among us. So, Jesus, we look to you this morning. All the things that we're reading, all the things... We want to have our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, our great high priest, the one who is exalted in heaven even now. And we want to worship you with all of our heart, souls, minds, and strength. We want to give our ears to hear what you're saying. We want to not only hear but do the things as you would speak to us. So, Lord, we're all ears. Please give us ears to hear and bless the things I prepared. Break them fresh right now. We're hungry. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We thank you for your word. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So, key verses of the book of Exodus that we're studying, which we'll be finishing up in four more studies. Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. 
I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. That's before it all happened. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. Now, after it happened, Exodus 19, and Moses went up to God. We've been studying these chapters. Went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the children of Israel. So the outline to the book of Exodus is laid out for us here. Exodus 1 through 12, I will take you as my people. Exodus 13 through 18, I will be your God. I will say to you this morning, personalize it. That's what God says. I will take you as my son. I will take you as my daughter. I will be your God. There is no other God, but there's a lot of other gods that we can serve. I will be your God. Verses, chapters 19 to 24, we just came out of this series. If you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, the covenant of love. We just looked at that. And now this last section, chapters 25 through 40, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Grab that for a moment. You see, when I look at the tabernacle, it's the simplicity of it is what, the, what is the glory of it. God is not trying to show off. He's showing the way. Jesus came into this world tabernacled, same language in John. He tabernacled among us, not to show off, but to show us the way. God has no need to show off. What he wants is for us to see him and to know him. So all these pictures that he's giving to us over hundreds and hundreds of years, and then in the fullness of time, Jesus came, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might die for us on a cross, that the law might be fulfilled through him, and we might walk in with him in his presence, hearing him, walking with him, meeting with him, being with him, him dwelling not only among us, but in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That is absolutely incredible. We can personalize that this morning here, remind ourselves again, we are the children of God. We are a holy nation. We are a royal priesthood. That comes with a lot of information, but what God's doing with that information is he wants to call us transformation in us knowing him and walking with him. And I'm getting excited. This is the truth. It's not some cunningly devised fable. We're not making it up. You couldn't make it up. But God did it. And so in Exodus chapter 29, these daily offerings, that I may dwell among them, in verse 42 of chapter 29. And I'm going to put these up so that you don't have to keep turning here. There shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak with you. And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. There's no greater sanctification than the glory of God. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. 
I will also, now listen, God didn't have to do this. Except that God is love. And God keeps his promises and his covenants. So he says, I will dwell among the children of Israel I and, and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out from under the land, out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. In this whole section, so there it is again. For you and for me. God wants to speak to us. God wants to meet with us. God wants us to know him. And he's the one that initiated it and instituted these things so that we might know him. He came to dwell among us. That's why we can get to, to, the, to the gospel of John. <laughs> the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. John writes in his first epistle, that which we've seen, which we've heard, which we've handled, concerning the word of life. He's realizing we just walk with God. We just saw God in human flesh. And friends, we're going to see him too in glory. It's coming. And so the whole of the Bible is Jesus himself magnified and glorified. So you get to Revelation. The four living creatures, each having six wings, full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day and night saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whoever, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, the four living creatures fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever, saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Glory to God. Can I go on a little minute? And now when he had taken the scroll, the title deed to the earth is all lost. John saw this, the, the scroll. He saw the angel playing with a loud voice. Who is worthy to open the scroll? Who's worthy to save the world? Who's worthy to claim back that which God created? And he wept much because no one's found worthy to open and read the scroll. He'd even look at it. One of the elders said to me, do not, be, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And then he took the scroll and he opened the scroll. And you have this breakout of worship again. They fell down, each having a harp and golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they worshiped in a new song saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive glory, honor, and power for you have redeemed us. For you did something. Redeemed us with your blood from every tribe and power and, well, I probably should read it. Well, you get it, right? Listen, this is not some question mark of hope. This is the real deal with God. We have this. So our lives become worship. Everything that we do can be worshiped to God. They're before the throne of God. So I want to give you just three simple things to start out, and then we'll look at the tabernacle. Blueprints for worship. Giving all to God with a willing heart. That is worship. You might small it out. Giving God a willing heart to work with. 
But everything comes from him. So when I am willing to take what he's given to me and say, it's all yours, then that's worship. Secondly, doing the work of God with the wisdom he gives. In other words, you and I were both creating the image of God. We were given personalities. <laughs> we were given certain bents, certain ways that we operate, certain skill things that are developed or talents, certain desires. And when we turn those things, our lives over to him, that's worship. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. Do you know that your personality is unique? And you say, well, a lot of other people know that. <laughs> when, you got, when you gave your life to Christ and God redeemed you by the blood, he didn't change your personality. That's a part of the gift God gave you for your uniqueness in how you relate not only to him but to everyone else. It's unique. And that personality is going to be sanctified, yes, but it's who you are. And freedom comes, I realize, that's just who God's, not in excusing sin. And you know I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, I'm a little, like, quirky. And we find, because of God's love and the understanding of what he accomplished for us, that he made us wonderfully, masterfully, wonderfully made this mysterious kind of putting together and knit us together in our mother's room. And here came Kevin. Why are you laughing? <laughs> we started the book of Acts. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Now, when I was born, the doctor came out to my mom and dad, and they said, and what are you going to name him? I said, well, we're not sure. We said, well, why not Theophilus? It means lover of God. We said, why not Theophilus? And mom and dad said, well, why that? He said, well, he's Theophilus, baby, I ever saw the office looking baby I ever saw. <laughs> That's not in my notes, okay? So if you're going to get my notes, that won't be there. <laughs> but do you see, do you see that the work of God in your life, he gives you the wisdom of God in how to live your life. That's worship. All that I am and all that, it's yours, Lord. Now take it and do what you want. I often tell the Lord, you know, one real freedom is you chose me and called me, so I'm your problem. Work on. <laughs> Keep going. And then finally, here's, here's the center, the tie into all this. Knowing Jesus who has you on his heart continually. He is our great high priest. So I would like to just run through through these chapters, and I'm going to put them up on the screen. Just here are the giving all to God with a willing heart. So we start in chapter 25, verse 2. Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. God's not saying you better give it to me or I'm going to yank it out of your hand. I say, it's willing. It's all yours. Open hand. Uh, chapter 35. So you have the blueprints, and then you have the building. 
Now we're in the second part of that, the building. He says, and Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, this is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it to, as an offering to the Lord, gold, silver, and bronze. Now, where did he get the gold, silver, and bronze? He got it from Egypt. And there was a lot of it, <laughs> which we'll look at in a moment. The estimates on how much it cost to today in today's numbers build the tabernacle, $2.6 billion. And you're talking a lot of gold, a lot of silver, and the brass. So where did they come from? Egypt. They plundered the Egyptians. Listen, we come out of a world, God takes the things of this world and sort of plunders them and uses for his glory. And he can do that. And some of you came to the Lord and you were very wealthy even. And God says, okay, here, I'm going to take the gold, silver, and I'm going to, I, want to use, I want you to willingly say, God, you do what you want with it. Or maybe it's some talent that you've gained through the world. You've been trained up in some area. God says, you give that to me. Let me show you what I want to do with it through your life. It's fantastic. He redeems those things. Verse 35, verse chapter, chapter 35, verse 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone, who, who, everyone came whose heart was stirred. Now this, I think, is important. God is saying, every willing heart, but the Holy Spirit comes and he stirs us. The question is, am I going to say, yes, Lord, all yours. I have been stirred in many different ways and so have you. But so you sort of feel this and then you sort of let it fade because it's not quite what you would desire. God's saying, hey, I'm stirred. I thought of Tim, this uh, Saturday at the men's breakaway, we're doing the book of 2 Timothy. I get to do the first chapter, which is on our heritage. It's interesting in that chapter, Paul says to Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you with the laying out of my hands. Stir it up, Timothy. Stir it up. God gave that to you. Stir it up, Timothy. And then he says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So what's the antidote to that stirring? Excuse me, how am I going to respond to the stirring? Realize that God is able God cares, and God is going to take those things of power, love, and a sound mind. He's going to take those things in your life and give you the truth about them, a sound mind, and then he's going to take and stir you in such a way that your life is going to go forward where it was sort of stalled because the stirring wasn't responded to. So, and everyone whose spirit was willing, and they bought, brought the Lord's offerings for, here it is, the work of the tabernacle. So there's a work to do. So they're bringing these things in. All its services and for the holy garments, they came both men and women, as many as had a willing heart, and brought earrings and nose rings, rings and necklaces, all jewelry of gold. That is, every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. Verse 29 of the same chapter. The children of Israel brought a freewill offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of, there it is again, work. You find that work, that there's, there's a work God's doing, and he's calling people to be a part of it. In fact, everyone of the nation of Israel was a part of it in bringing their offerings, bringing the things. So a willing heart. God loves a cheerful giver. A hilarious giver. Ah, great. Well, hold on a second. <laughs> Secondly, doing the work of God with the wisdom he gives. 
So in verse chapter 28, now take Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me as priest. Aaron and, his, and Aaron's sons, Nadab, Abu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. Isn't that wonderful? So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans. Now, I like the way the King James has it better. Are wise-hearted. You're wise-hearted. So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him that he may minister to me as a priest. In other words, God was calling people out, gifting them by his spirit. This is how it works. This is how it happens. And using them now in those gifted. Uh, verse, chapter 28, verse 10. All who are, again, gifted artists, or all who are wise-hearted among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. Verse 25, chapter 35. Here it is. All the women were gifted artisans, were wise-hearted, spun yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun of blue, purple, and scarlet and fine linen. And all the women whose hearts, again, here it is again, stirred with wisdom. I can do that. I can help there. Spun yard of goat's hair. Chapter 35, verse 34. And he, who, and he has put in his heart the ability important to teach. So what do you have gifted wise? What have you learned? How do you know what to do? You've had training. And now he's saying these guys, they're going to teach others. In fact, I just, last Sunday, I was not here because I was involved in the ordination ceremony at Calvary Chapel Thunder Mountain, Pastor Jeff Steiner. He asked me to come and do this, to speak at the service about a shepherd's heart, which I did, and then we ordained three guys. And I said to the congregation, I said, this is, Paul told Timothy, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard from me, this is Paul to Timothy, commit these to faithful men, that's Timothy to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also, that's the other men. So there's four generations and I was standing there in front of these people having experienced God's work in raising up for generations. What a great thing God's doing. And God is doing those things in our lives. So he says, able to teach in Ahulabab and Quankamonk 35 and fill them with skill. You didn't know what that was. That's grandson talk. They, they don't know what I'm saying either, but... He has filled them with skill. You know what skill? It means wisdom of the heart. Skill. It's a heart. He's filled them with skill to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker in purple, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, and of the weaver. And those who do every work and those who design artistic. So again, God gave them these gifts. God called them to use these gifts in, in the work of building the tabernacle. 30, chapter 36. And Bezalel and Oholiab and every gifted artisan, every wise-hearted, uh, every gifted artisan in whom the Lord again has put wisdom and understanding. To know how to do all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary shall do according to all that the Lord has commanded. Then Moses called these two guys and every gifted artisan in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, everyone whose heart was stirred to come and do the work. And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought and for the work of their service of making the sanctuary. So they conti continued bringing to, to him free will offerings every morning. Now, this is, this is God. 
And I think maybe if nothing else this morning, there's a need just to recognize again, not only did God create you in your mother's womb, he gifted you in certain ways, but he wants to take those things and use them for the work he's got for your life, specially, uniquely. What has God given to you in gifts? What has God given to you in talent? What has God given to you in skill? All those things, when I give them over to God, are worship. It's worship. What a wonderful way to think of that. We might think, well, I've got this job, and I, you know, hey, wait a second. You have what? A job. That's what it says here, work. <laughs> and wait a second, what have you learned? And how can those things, so I think there's a need to just consciously reaffirm that with God. Everything that God is wanting to do is through your life and who you are and what he's given to you. And when we give that back to him, it's worship. The final one, third, before we look at the tabernacle. Knowing Jesus, he has you on his heart continually. He is our great high. There are only two verses that I'll call your attention to in chapter 28, verse 29. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of judgment upon his heart. When he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually, three times in these two verses. And you shall put in the, put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be on Aaron, upon Aaron's heart. When he goes in before the Lord, so Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually. Bearing the judgment, meaning what's the will of God here? What's God saying? What's God ministering? Aaron was the guy. <laughs> Jesus is the man. He is our great high priest. We must never minimize the fact that you, me, are on his heart continually. Continually. He is our great high priest. Not like an earthly priest. They died, they came and, go, came and went. But he came as the great high priest, providing for our eternal salvation. And he, for, he lives forever to make intercession for us. I have a bunch of scriptures in Hebrews. I'm going to do some of them. But you read Hebrews. In fact, I'm considering maybe, maybe Sunday morning we'll just go to Hebrews from Exodus. Because it really makes sense. There's so much in Exodus in Hebrews that is just defining Exodus. Defining, and it's so incredible. Last time we did this, I don't know how many years ago, we did it as a little team. It was so fantastic. So, by the way, the Ermin Thuman, that means lights and perfections. It was in that little uh, breastplate. And the breastplate was about a nine foot, nine, nine foot, yeah, <laughs> nine inch square. It had the, the 12 stones on it. And inside that pocket was the Ermin Thuman, which was determined God's will. That's what it was for. They don't know how that worked. They don't even know what it really looked like. But somehow they had this way of deciding. And Aaron carried that. And so when they're looking for it, and a lot of times it's when the, when the nation's in big trouble. They go, hey, get me the Urim and Thummim. <laughs> Let's find out what God says here. So I don't know if it was a white and black stone. We don't know that. And so when it comes to these things, as far as how that went there, we really don't know. And I think that's almost on purpose. 
Because the way that God works in our relationship with Jesus Christ and determining what his will is, is very personal. I wish I could pass it on sometimes. There are principles to that. I get that. I know that. But when it comes to God and you and his will for you and what he's wanting for your life and how are you going to open up your willing heart and how are you going to take your thing, that, that's between you and the Lord. And that Urm and Thummim in that sense is the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in your temple. You are the temple. And he's there. You're, you're sort of going, well, what should I do? How many go through that? <laughs> Some of you didn't raise your hand and... You need to read. How many go through that? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Just making sure. But listen, the fact is that we have the Holy Spirit, and Jesus called him our guide. He's the one who teaches us, instructs us, leads us, empowers us. The Holy Spirit of God is given to us in this whole thing of light and perfection might well apply the light of the Holy Spirit, and the perfecting of our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Hebrews, God who at various times and in various ways, spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Now get this, this is Jesus. Through whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, he's God, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he, Jesus, had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, had become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name, that excellent name is, he's our great high priest. Hebrews chapter 2, therefore in all things he, Jesus, had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. That's what pertains to God. He took care of the problem. We talked about propitiation in the last couple of studies. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Are you tempted today? There's the answer. It's Jesus, our great high priest. Hebrews chapter 3, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one, capital O, has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And, and Moses indeed, indeed was faithful in all his house for a testimony to those, who would, those things which we spoken afterward. Moses testifying to Christ, testifying to Christ. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. What is our hope? It's Jesus. Chapter 4, therefore, holy brethren, partakes of the heavenly calling. Excuse me, chapter 6. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the, immutab the immutability of his counsel, not going to change. Confirmed it by no. God not only promised these things, he swore to them for our sake. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, 
we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. That, that, that this hope we have is the anchor of the soul, sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunners entered for us, even Jesus Christ, have become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. When Jesus died on the cross, his spirit, he gave up his spirit, what happened? That veil was rent, top to bottom. Access through Jesus Christ. Hebrews 7, and there were, there were many priests because they were prevented from death, by death from continuing, but he, Jesus, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Someone translate that. He's able to save to the guttermost. We were, a lot of, a lot of us were guttermost. Those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us who was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For, for then he would have had, he would, he, sorry, tripping over my tongue. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. I'm, there's scripture, listen. You are always on the heart of Jesus. Always. Continually. And that to me is worship. So the garments, I want to give you some pictures now as we get into this. This priesthood in chapter 28 says, Now take Aaron and, and Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me as priest, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron and your brother for glory and for beauty. These garments, detail. God had them make these. And, there are, and these are the garments which you shall make. A breastplate. There are six of them. A breastplate. Can, uh, we have that picture. As I read this. A breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a skillfully woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. Sash, So they shall make holy garments. These are holy things. Clothing the high priest to minister to God for the people. And note this also. The priesthood was part of the tabernacle. All one that God's doing. So Jesus' fulfillment of all of that, the sacrifice, all of that. Now, in verse, uh, chapter 29, verse 43, And there I will meet with you, with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So I'll consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I'll also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. I will dwell among them, and the, among the children of Israel, and I will be their God, and they shall know that I am, I know I'm repeating this again, but I want to nail this into my own heart. Listen. He's, God is saying this, that they may know that I am the Lord. That's worship. After the priesthood is in place, then fellowship is restored. The tabernacle is sanctified. Then the priests come to minister. Centered in God being the center of a personal life, a national life, a church life. He's it. And now God will dwell among them. So God gave Moses very 
Very detailed blueprints, specific pattern. Look at Exodus 25, verse 9. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishing, just so you shall make it. Verse 40, and see to it that you make him according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. This is important. God said, you got to do this as I say to do it. And I look at that and go, it's simple. Because God's not trying to show off. And when you saw, if someone saw that, it's just these white linen curtains. And then a, this box called the tabernacle, sitting in that with an altar and a laver. Simple. But God said, maybe he's saying, keep it simple. Now in Hebrews, it says this, for if he were on earth, he would not be a priest since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things. As Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle, for he said, see they make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So God's, this is specific, it's detailed. Given a picture of Jesus Christ. Now let me just give you a couple and then we'll go into, uh, I got a video I want to show you. For example, the acacia wood, which in this video you'll see is called from King James Version, Shittim wood, S-H-I-T-T-I-M. Overlaid with gold. So the picture here, acacia wood, the only kind of wood that was committed, that was permitted by God in the construction of the tabernacle. Acacia wood was an incorruptible wood. Water and insects did not harm it. It's part of the cedar family. It grew sparsely, in desert regions. It was fairly unattractive. In fact, you'll see that in one of the videos. Which was the result of growing up in the desert. And it just called to mind, calls to my mind, Isaiah chapter 53, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, talking about Jesus, and as a root out of dry ground. He has... He has no form or comeliness that we should desire him. He wasn't as handsome. It was Jesus. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He shall grow up. Acacia wood speaks of the incorruptibility and the man that Jesus is the humanity of Jesus. But the acacia wood is covered with what? Gold. Gold is the metal of deity. So, so many pictures we could pull out of these things. But that would be one. That Jesus is both human and God. All wrapped in one. Now, the question that came to my mind is, who made the acacia tree? God did. And I think about this often. It's like, you know, God was thinking, I'm going to make this acacia wood, and I'm going to, incorruptible, insects can't get it, I'm going to put it in the desert, just as a picture for us. Say, that's incredible. That's God giving these pictures. The silver sockets. Silver is the precious metal of redemption. The tabernacle is built on silver. Redemption. A couple of those things. The sacrificial system, the priestly ministry, and so all of these are just pictures pointing us to Jesus and what God did through him. 
And so we gain foundational truths about who Jesus is in the applying of the pictures God has given to us in this thing that was real and was around for a long time called the tabernacle, then became the temple. So, I want to give you a little picture. We'll close the video in a second. But size-wise, if you were to take this stage, well, don't take it, okay, because I built it and it's supposed to stay. But <laughs> from, I, I did all the measuring, okay? So from that wall to that wall is about 45 feet. So from there, there is the size of the tabernacle. From this to the, about where those lights are, is 15 feet. That's how high the tabernacle was. And then from the curtains to about right here is 15 feet. So if you can picture that box, and in that 45 by 15 by 15 foot box, there was a 15 by 15 by 15 foot cube that was called the Holy of Holies. High priest went in that once a year. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. High priest went in there once a year on the Day of Atonement. The outside room was 30 by 15 by 15. It's called the Holy Place. And in that, you had the, ta the table of showbread, you had the, the lampstand, and you had the altar of incense. Speaking of fellowship, testimony, and prayer. So, and then, okay, so then the outer court, the court enclosure, if you go afterwards, you want to get an idea of the size, go around the building here to our back parking lot where there is a, uh, we fenced it off for the children. There's a, what do you call that thing? Um, the container, the container, yeah. If you look at that back parking lot, the, the length of, from the, our building end to the fence is about 150 feet. And then the size of the parking lot is about 75. You'd almost think that this is a, all planned. No, it wasn't. <laughs> So just to get a picture in your mind, how big was that outer court? 150 by 75 feet. Okay, does that help? All right, so I have two videos. Actually, yeah, we'll just do one. Now, this is the, a, a, a um, narration of the King James, using King James translation of the building of the tabernacle. And I don't know if you know this, but if you go on Google, you can just Google up, the, and, and they have... They, they have, there's places that have actual full-scale models of the tabernacle. Israel has one and there's other places. This is just an animation so that you can see, helps me, uh, as far as this whole thing called the tabernacle. Now, when we did this first service, it kind of glitched a little bit, so we're hoping maybe it won't do that this time. So here we go. Roll it. And thou shalt make boards from the tabernacle of Shittimwood standing up. Ten cubits shall be the length of a board, and a cubit and a half shall be the breadth of one board. Two tenons shall there be in one board, set in order one against another. Thus shalt thou make for all the boards of the tabernacle. And thou shalt make the boards for the tabernacle, twenty boards on the south side southward. And thou shalt make forty sockets of silver under the twenty boards, two sockets under one board for his two tenons, and two sockets under another board for his two tenons. And for the second side of the tabernacle on the north side, there shall be twenty boards, and there are forty sockets of silver, two sockets under one board, and two sockets under another board. And for the sides of the tabernacle westward, thou shalt make six boards. 
and two boards shalt thou make for the corners of the tabernacle in the two sides, and they shall be coupled together beneath, and they shall be coupled together above the head of it unto one ring, and they shall be eight boards, and their sockets of silver, sixteen sockets, two sockets under one board, and two sockets under another board. And thou shalt make bars of shittim wood, five for the boards of the one side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards of the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards of the side of the tabernacle, for the two sides westward. And the middle bar in the midst of the board shall reach from end to end. And thou shalt overlay the boards with gold, and make their rings of gold for places for the bars, and thou shalt overlay the bars with gold. And thou shalt rear up the tabernacle according to the fashion thereof which was showed thee in the mount. And thou shalt make the court of the tabernacle. For the south side southward, there shall be hangings for the court of fine twined linen of a hundred cubits long for one side. And the twenty pillars thereof and their twenty sockets shall be of brass. The hooks of the pillars and their fillets shall be of silver. And likewise for the north side in length, there shall be hangings of a hundred cubits long. And his twenty pillars and their twenty sockets of brass, the hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver. And for the breadth of the court on the west side shall be hangings of fifty cubits, their pillars ten, and their sockets ten. And the breadth of the court on the east side eastward shall be fifty cubits. The hangings of one side of the gate shall be fifteen cubits, their pillars three, and their sockets three. And on the other side shall be hangings fifteen cubits, their pillars three, and their sockets three. And for the gate of the court shall be an hanging of twenty cubits of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen wrought with needlework, and their pillars shall be four and their sockets four. All the pillars round about the court shall be filleted with silver. Their hooks shall be of silver and their sockets of brass. The length of the court shall be an hundred cubits and the breadth fifty everywhere and the height five cubits of fine twined linen and their sockets of brass. All the vessels of the tabernacle in all the service thereof, and all the pins thereof, and all the pins of the court, shall be of brass. And thou shalt command the children of Israel, that they bring thee pure oil olive beaten for the light, to cause the lamp to burn always. In the tabernacle of the congregation without the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his son shall order it from evening to morning before the Lord, it shall be a statute forever unto their generations on the behalf of the children of Israel. And thou shalt make an altar of shittim wood, five cubits long and five cubits broad. The altar shall be four square, and the height thereof shall be three cubits. And thou shalt make the horns of it upon the four corners thereof. His horns shall be of the same, and thou shalt overlay it with brass. 
and thou shalt make his pans to receive his ashes, and his shovels, and his basins, and his flesh hooks, and his fire pans. All the vessels thereof thou shalt make of brass, and thou shalt make for it a grate of network of brass, and upon the net shalt thou make four brazen rings and the four corners thereof. And thou shalt put it under the compass of the altar beneath, that the net may be even to the midst of the altar. And thou shalt make staves for the altar, staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with brass. And the staves shall be put into the rings, and the staves shall be upon the two sides of the altar, to bear it. Hollow with boards shalt thou make it, as it was showed thee in the mount, so shall they make it. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Thou shalt also make a laver of brass, and his foot also of brass, to wash withal. Thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and thou shalt put water therein. For Aaron and his son shall wash their hands and their feet thereat. When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water, that they die not. Or when they come near to the altar to minister, to burn offering made by fire unto the Lord, so they shall wash their hands and their feet, that they die not, and it shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and to his seed throughout their generations. And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold, of beaten work shall the candlestick be made, his shaft and his branches, his bowls, his knops, and his flowers shall be of the same. And six branches shall come out of the sides of it, three branches of the candlestick out of the one side, and three branches of the candlestick out of the other side. Three bowls made like unto almonds, with a knop and a flower in one branch. And three bowls made like almonds in the other branch, with a knop and a flower. So in the six branches that come out of the candlestick, and in the candlestick shall be four bowls made like unto almonds with their knops and their flowers. And there shall be a knop under two branches of the same, and a knop under two branches of the same, and a knop under two branches of the same, according to the six branches that proceed out of the candlestick. Their knops and their branches shall be of the same, all it shall be one beaten work of pure gold. And thou shalt make the seven lamps thereof, and they shall light the lamps thereof, that they may give light over against it. And the tongs thereof, and the snuff dishes thereof, shall be of pure gold. Of a talent of pure gold shall he make it with all these vessels. And look that thou make them after their pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, and make thereto a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt make unto it a border of an handbreadth round about, and thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about. And thou shalt make for it four rings of gold, and put the rings in the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. 
Over against the border shall the rings be for places of the staves to bear the table, and thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold, that the table may be borne with them. And thou shalt make the dishes thereof, and spoons thereof, and covers thereof, and bowls thereof, to cover withal. Of pure gold shalt thou make them. And thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me always. And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon. Of shittim wood shalt thou make it. A cubit shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof. Four square shall it be, and two cubits shall be the height thereof, the horns thereof shall be of the same. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof, and the sides thereof round about, and the horns thereof, and thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about. And two golden rings shalt thou make to it under the crown of it, by the two corners thereof, upon the two sides of it shalt thou make it, and they shall be for places for the staves to bear it withal. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with thee. And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning. When he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall ye pour drink offering thereon. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. Once in the year shall he make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto the Lord. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, and they shall make an ark of shittim wood. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, within and without shalt thou overlay it, and shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it, and put them in the four corners thereof, and two rings shall be in the one side of it, and two rings in the other side of it. And thou shalt make staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put the staves into the rings by the sides of the ark, that the ark may be borne with them. The staves shall be in the rings of the ark, they shall not be taken from it. And thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which I shall give thee. And thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold. Of beaten work shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. And make one cherub on the one end, and the other cherub on the other end. Even of the mercy seat shall ye make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. And the cherubim shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and their faces shall look one to another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. 
And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony, of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Is that helpful? Again, it just blows my mind how detailed it was and yet how simple it was that God would dwell among his people. It's like you can see a box and all those kinds of things, but you got to see God. So this morning I feel the word the Lord was just speaking to my heart and I think also to us is do you have a willing heart? In the context of what Jesus has done is do you have a willing heart? And then... What about the work God wants to do through your life, in your life? So as we sing this last song, would you stand? Let's just stand together before the Lord. I'll close in a prayer. And let's give our hearts afresh to the Lord. Let's ask the Lord to re-up, if need be, stir up the things that he's wanting to. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's something we've been thinking about. Maybe it's not that. But, Lord, we just want to worship you right now for just another few minutes in song and prayer. That you would please inhabit our lives. In Jesus' name, let's worship.